It's me, Harry Flower. It's me, COB. And this week we're joined by Coach Owen Ruddy. Oh, Coach Fella, you know yeah, what I mean? Coach Owen Ruddy, yeah, yeah. yeah. It used to be Rowdy Owen Ruddy when I used to fight, but uh, now I have to change it. Yeah, I'm not Rowdy anymore, so it's Coach. Coach Owen <laughs> Ruddy, yeah. <laughs> Zen, Zen Owen oh, Ruddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Boys, I feel sorry for the three of us, yeah. I have to give a shout out, but. Travels now, Mossy boys. Oh. Yeah, unfortunately. Are we gonna go down? <laughs> Already? Mossy's at home. Yes. Yeah. I and knew it. Yeah, I knew it. Shout out. It ringles yeah. and he'd be like, was ringing me now. Guaranteed. <laughs> See, you was mentioning me on that podcast trying to make a show of me, but secretly he's loving he it. Love, going around bragging it. and all. Did you hear Roddy on the podcast? That's me to talking about. He yeah. was giving out about the doctor's episode now because he didn't get a show. We just be filming. He does yeah, be, yeah. You know he loves Moss, his name getting the Good mental. stories about Elon Musk, man. Can you yeah. tell them? That's the question. Oh, I kind of did, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a few, yeah. yeah. I tell you what, if he was here, he, what's that? Is that a bus, Roddy? Whoop. Underneath it, there you go. <laughs> Musk used to come watch me fight, like, back in the day. And uh, I was fighting this UFC veteran in the National Basketball Arena. And uh, it was a crazy fight. Anyway, so I'm bleeding. I'm out there, fight's about to start, and I'm thinking to myself, like, Brody, all you have to do, this is a veteran, so like, just make a good show on yourself, do you know what I mean? Go in there, put it on, I just don't get fucking choked out in the first two seconds. Into the fight, two seconds later, a man's on my neck, <laughs> and he has a choke on, full on, and I'm like, I'm going I'm to go unconscious here. But anyways, I get out of the fight anyway, and, and I, uh, I get the win in the end, and all of a sudden, I see this fucking mountain, man mountain, trying his best to get on top of the cage. Well, he was a mossy trying to climb over the cage. But it was everywhere. The boys, you know, years ago, we used to be on boards and stuff like that. And Roddy's crew, all oh, bogeys, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yes. One of them, one crazy, big, huge fella is trying to climb the cage. <laughs> Moss. Yeah, everybody knows who it is. Yeah, Elon Moss on top of the cage. But I tell you what, he was at every fight, no matter where I went. Yeah. yeah. I always, always backed me. So, yeah, I always give him the credit for that one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's hard work, boy. Yeah. He's hard work. Yeah, so, we mentioned him a few times. Just for context, a fella we know, he's from Ballymoon. Yeah. He says he doesn't like us talking about him, but he does. Big fan of the podcast he is, yeah. He has the most ADHD I've ever seen in a human being in my life. The most yeah. ADHD? Oh, no, the <laughs> most. See, you can get a lot of ADHD in there, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I told people before, like, you know when you know the levels of ADHD, when you know someone who has it, yeah. and then you go around someone who has more, yeah. that person goes quiet. Yeah. yeah, so Mossy's the only fellow I know that makes Terrence go quiet. <laughs> yeah, he like, not a whisper. go quiet. Terrence yeah. will sit down or a whisper, and Mossy just be bouncing around. I'd be like, oh, yeah. He's deadly, he's a deadly fella. Yeah, he goes fella. Yeah. Good fella, yeah. yeah. He good is. Good heart, supporters. <laughs> I was telling Terence earlier, earlier on, I was in Vegas, so we came over to watch, I think it was Diaz 2 or something like that. And uh, No, sorry, it wasn't. It was Mendes for you. And uh, we get a phone call. Roddy, what's the story? It's Mossy. I'm still here in Vegas. What's the crack? Can I meet you up with you? So I was like, yeah, come out. I'm, I'm out having a meal with the missus, but come out and join us. Get a phone call off the boys, right? We're all heading into a nightclub. Or, I think it was Caesar's Palace or something like that. So Mossy's like... Can, can we go? Can we get me in? <laughs> like a puppy. Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah Moss, not a bother. So gets us in, he's having the time of his life, fucking Dom Perignon and everywhere. <laughs> and uh, with that Moss, he's knocking the gaga back. And next of all, I'm sitting there chatting to the wife, and next of all, Moss, he's squaring up against Blade and Carl Pendred. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, oh, Jesus. I'm one, I'm like, Moss, be very careful there. Look, I know you're a big fella and all. 
but fucking call Tony upside down in two seconds. So it's like, Roddy, have a chat with this fella. I must have having a few. So Mossy's like, yeah, whatever. He's like, Mossy, you're going to have to leave. Well, then. And then he's at me, fuck you, Roddy. Yeah. I was like, well, you know, if you don't leave, you're probably going to leave in a bad way. Do you know what I mean? So... You know, you know, take your lickings or whatever. Mm. But he left anyways, and the next day, ah, who gives a bollocks, Roddy? was grand. Was, yeah. Right, best night of my life. Best <laughs> night of my life. I'll always thank you for that, Roddy. Good best, story to tell the kids, isn't it? Best night of my life, yeah. yeah. And that's what he was only saying earlier on. Uh, Terence was like, I don't really care. Once nobody gets hurt, I don't care what the story is. It'll always, it'll always make for a good story. Yeah, right. Must... Zingers, Roddy. Have you got one? You know what, boys? Yeah, he's kept me up. I don't know whether he's have done them. He's done so many now, but... Uh, um, of this one, would you rather have a long average career or would you rather have a short, unbelievable career? You have to be a short, unbelievable, wouldn't it? Yeah. If you're talking about legacy, you kind of need to have a long career, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I suppose you do, because, yeah. Because, like, you have the Khabibs out there, right? Yeah. He'll well, come up, be three or four big names, mm. won the belt and retired, kind of. Well, five big names on the on the. Yeah, record. but he'll never be... He'll never be remembered. Like. You'll always look at John Jones over him, even GSP. Yeah, but the yeah. thing is, he's still in the conversation, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, but the, the question marks are there because the longevity wasn't there. But he's still yeah. in the conversation for the short part. You know what I mean? That's a great thing, we think, it, by the way. Yeah, it's a tricky one. Boy, down yeah. now, now, I mean, it's this, this short one, this short career, does this mean unbeaten? No, I'm not even talking. It doesn't have to be fighting. It doesn't have to be fighting. Yeah. It's just like... Oh. Sport. Yeah, yeah. Like, right. I'll have to say, boys, you, I don't know how long is what they before you blew up. And yeah, you always talk about that, you know. It's very rarely an overnight success. But you have came on the scene and in the last three years is uh, everywhere, all over the place. So it's hitting its trajectory, like, you know what yeah. I mean? So mm. would you rather this just blow up, you do it for another five years and then you go on and do something else? Or would you rather just keep it mellow and... No, I take longevity. I will. In this, in this, I take longevity. Yeah, in a and, and I suppose podcasts are like that. Yeah, like if you don't, if you don't make it to twenty or thirty, I'm sure you're, you're, you're done. You're guilty. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, ninety percent yeah. don't go past episode three. So you are going to be here for the long haul. Basically, yes. Yeah, so. Yeah. so you're like nearly in the top. Full ahead of grace. Yeah, yeah like that look. <laughs> you're nearly in the top one percent when you get to episode twenty-one when it comes to podcasts. Yeah, buddy. that's brilliant. So yeah. that's that's a, a nice little step. Yeah. So in this, I take like because I enjoy doing this. Mm. Yeah. This isn't like you're not getting CTE from doing a podcast. You get me? <laughs> not yet, anyways. <laughs> no, I think I'll, I think I'll be loaded up at CTE now. When they open up my brain when I'm done, they'll be like, Jesus, how was he even walking around that? <laughs> you know? And that's only if I do it next year. I know I have a few more years in me, yeah? Would yeah, you think... have another fight again? Nah, nah. I'm, I'm retired, boys. I, I, I retired. I fully retired. Yeah, 100%. I, I can't fight. I've, I've, I've had a few injuries and uh, I can't, like, I wouldn't get cleared to fight. That's the problem. Oh, yeah. right, right. Now, I was, like, it's a mad boys because I was I was on the doorstep. My goal setting out years ago when I first started fighting was I want to make a few bob, 50 grand, you know, 50 grand to get a, a down payment on the calf. That's all I wanted. Mm. And I was, when I was fighting, I was one of the best, if not the best in the country because I was, a, I was a bit before Connor and, and all the boys, Paddy and all that came on, the guys that all fought in the UFC just after me. And I was like, I was kind of the guys that was helping them out, you know what I mean? Yeah. I knew all the tricks, I knew all the moves, and I was trying to help them. But uh, I had a fight in uh, in Scotland for Cage Warriors. And after that fight, I found out with an injury, and I was bleeding devastated. And I was like, I tried for about six months to see if I could get cleared to fight. And uh, I was told, uh, you wouldn't get cleared to fight, and you probably wouldn't get cleared to fight in the UFC. So I was like, well, if I can't wear them gloves, then 
there's no point doing it. There was mm. no money in it. There's not great money in it now, but I was getting, Jesus, I, I got 50 quid for me force fight. 50 quid, and yeah. it cost me 80 quid to go up to North to do it, <laughs> you know what I mean? But mine is 30, he's like, that's not too bad, yeah? yeah. Only down 30 quid. That's, that's but, the uh, thing, though, like, when it's the same in boxing as well, there's not money to be made now, unless you're at the top, top, yeah, top level. Yeah, yeah, unless you make, now, I will say, there's, there's guys making okay money now, like Bellator and stuff like that, like, they're okay money. In regards to, like, when I think back to what I made, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, guys are making 50, 50 grand flat rate. If you fight three times a year, it's 150 grand. It's not yeah. a bad wage, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. For three times a year. Yeah. And then the guys going up a little bit more than that. Yeah. And I'm not, like, household names. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Now, if you're a household name in the UFC, you're making all right money, like. All yeah. thanks to the big man, you know, demanding more money and that trickles down, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, definitely. It's great, you know? Yeah. Mm. Right. Back to the zingers anyways. Yeah. yeah. I'm taking the longevity anyways. Yeah. I'll yeah. take the short boards. Yeah. 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 What, even in a podcast? No, not in terms of the podcast. So there's, it's all I think we're past the short boards in the podcast. Oh, uh, yeah. You was a veteran. We're, yeah, we're into yeah. the triple digits. Yeah. Robbing a living. Like the next goal is you have to get to 500. And then we'll reassess it then and be like, right, we'll go over the thousand. Or <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 500 podcasts. I can't believe we're on 119. Yeah, yeah, that's isn't it? Do you know when we look back and like even this time last year, I look at how the guests were, and you're like, oh, I can't even remember all the in betweens of them. Yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? It's madness. Yeah. It's just week after. And week you, after I remember week. you were saying, he's a flat out. He don't miss a week. He's a no flat consistent. Never. Like you yeah. know what I mean? Never. That's good. You get you get good quick as well. You know what I mean? Mm. You gain momentum and yeah, it's constantly on your mind. So the more you do yeah. it, the better you get. That's it. the best like advice we can give, though. That's the best advice. Just keep showing up. Show up. You know what I mean? Because there's been some some weeks. I don't want to hang anyone out to dry, but there's been some weeks where there's an episode where I'm like, oh, we really should have done better. Most caught up in your own. Well, that's a good thing because you're not critiquing yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You're not going anywhere. Well, that's you have to be self-critical, but uh, that thing what he's saying about showing up, like that's in every aspect of life. Do you know yeah. what I mean? If you're bollocks so and you don't want to go to the gym, you're gonna do more in the gym than you're sitting in your gap pitting yourself. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean, you're gonna learn more in a classroom than you're sitting at home. Yeah. Just show up and you'll get better at it. No yeah. matter what it is. Show up, make mistakes, fix them and move forward. Yeah, that's and you'll yeah. always be able to learn and grow in that environment. You won't be able to do with sitting in the gap pitting yourself. Yeah. Showing up is a big, big factor yeah, to play. It's just making the start, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. In podcasting, it's all about the consistency. Mm. You know what I mean? If you're doing it once a week, you stick to doing it once a week. Mm. So I know a lot of people are like, I'm going to start the podcast because of you. And you give them the advice and you see they do four or five episodes and they drop off and you're like, yes. mate, Trust me on this. It's, and even it's get the four or five, it's gas. Like, it's like when I used to be fighting, I'd go out after fights, have a few drinks. I'm coming up to the gym on Monday, on swear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up the gym on Monday, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So was this going, that going, this going, yeah. this going, that going. Now one of them ever crossed the door. Like, yeah, yeah. We have the boys now in my gym, you know, the coaches, like, because they say the same. Roddy, this bloke keeps telling me he's going to come up. I says, I'll give you 100 quid. I'll give you his first month's membership if you sign him up on the night, whoever on the app. So I said, take out the app and sign him up there and yeah. then while you're drunk and while he's drunk. Yeah. And I'll give you 100 quid, I'll give you his membership. Yeah. So we only had one at the table. It was still one at the table, you know what I mean? Y'all count. Yeah, this is it. So have you got a singer? No. In fairness, I've had a couple the last few weeks up my sleeve and then I'm all out now. You're all out? Yeah. Have you any more? You said you'd won at two, just one. Well, if, uh, oh, yeah, same. Uh, I don't know whether he's doing this one. Would you rather be a jack of all trades or a master of one? Mm. Oh, that's another. That's a good one, that yeah. is. I'm worried. I woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning like that. Looks at that. I have to think of a good one. <laughs> Nudging your board and I'll yeah. think of one with yeah. you. Come on. That's it. it. only took me three and a half days with no sleep to get that. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one, that. Yeah. Jack you, of all trades are a master of one. Master of one, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? 
Yeah. Uh, now the full saying, I only, only learned that recently. Yeah. yeah. Just for this episode, like. Jack of all trades. That was half six in the morning. The sun was coming up. I was like, that's the full one. That's the full one there. Jack of all trades, master of one, is it? Yeah. Better than a master of none, isn't it? Yeah, Something but still like better than a master of none. One. What? So a jack of all trades. Yeah. Better master than of a none. Master one, but still better than yeah. a master of one. Like yeah, yeah. A normal, a normal everyday jobs, nine to five jobs. No, of course. Like, a jack of all trades. But like a master of one job. I yeah. don't know. I well, worked with a lot. Of, I don't know, yeah. Terry. I worked with a lot of contractors, and they make a lot of money because they know one, one thing. Specific thing, and this is it. And you need that one specific thing, yeah. and they make a fortune. Yeah. yeah. I know people consider them going into consultancy now. Yeah. Because they are good at what they do. Yeah. And they just stick to that, and they're like, I'm going to go into uh, consultancy now. You get paid in five hundred quid a day. Do you know what I mean? And then expenses. And this is the thing. So you know, they say what takes 10,000 hours. I've done a, a, a little uh, documentary years ago with Paddy Hewlan. It was called 10,000 hours. So it takes 10,000 hours to become a master at something, hmm. which is roughly 10 years if you do a couple of hours a week. You know, if you do that for 10,000 hours, you should be able to make a good living out of it. Yeah. But, you know, I, I obviously, I, I do mixed martial arts and that was my trade. But when COVID hit, I, I, I don't know anything else, to be honest. Yeah. I can't tie my shoelaces, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you have to be careful, you know, what if your industry, and especially with the way things are going, technology yeah. and stuff like that, your industry could be gone overnight. Yeah, so Grinta Tech, Grinta Tech. Yeah, Grinta Tech. Yeah. AI's going to be doing all of that for us now in the next couple of years. Grinta uh, Machine Learning, yeah. Programming AI. Yeah. You need to be ahead of the so GoPro. You, you don't know, but that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's a good one as well. That is a good thing. We'll put them out there anyway. It's gone off my head. Once you start saying tech AI and all that, <laughs> I'm lost now, yeah? Roddy, I have a question for you, yeah? Yo. You last it's, week's singer. Oh, did we got last week's singer? Mm. What was it? Love, hate, or kin? Ah, love, hate, man. All day. Yeah. And we watched kin. That, the casting, it's, they're a bit too nice. Yeah, they're yeah. That's, that's what everyone said. The storyline in... Yeah, uh, yeah. What, what did he say? Storyline in Love, yeah. Hate is better. No, and kin. The opposite, better. was it? Yeah. The actors in Love, Hate were better. Yeah. And the storyline in kin is better. That's what yeah. it is, yeah. But I don't want to get anyone hung there. I'm talking about the casting, but... Yeah, it's Are you watching the new season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's good, like, I enjoy it. Like, I sit down mm. and watch it every Sunday, yeah. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to Vinnie Jones because he said it to me. He's like, man, I'm telling you, you need to be watching fucking Ken. It's lethal. I was like, yeah. man, I watched it. And he goes, no, the second season, he Vinnie said... Jones? Do you know Vinnie Jones? No, Who? Vinnie Jones, Vinnie Jones. Now, see this Vinnie Jones, Vinnie Jones. <laughs> I've had this Vinnie Jones, Vinnie Jones conversation about yeah. Vinnie Jones, right? Yeah. And a lot of people know him, right? I went there a wedding with him before yeah. and I thought, like... One or two people come over to me and like, I love your podcast, grand. 55 people or something come over to this fella and we're like, Vinny, Vinny, yeah, get a picture with me and all. Vinny Jones, yeah. Well, how do you know Vinny Jones? True friend. Yeah? Yeah. He's actually bigger than the original Vinny Jones. All oh, right, so it's not the... <laughs> right, but it let's, is the... Let's, 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 let's... You're buffering there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So, so, Vinny Jones from The Footballer. No, he's a barber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, definitely Vinnie Jones is not a barber because he's baldy or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's a barber, is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, he's put me on the blade in Kane ages and he's like, you better show me out next week then when that singer goes out. I was like, right, I will, I will. But a lot of people are blade getting offended by it. There's a, a good fucking bit of tribalism going on there. Yeah. Like, people are saying Kane is on the up. Well, 90% of the people said they'd rather love hate. Yeah, but... 10% said Kane. And then a lot of people are saying give her a chance and yeah. let her breathe. A lot of people said block whoever said Kane as well. That as well, yeah. <laughs> I was on that side. I was on that side. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. even the full season, I was 
The only issue I have with it is, is that they're a bit too clean and proper. Yeah. You know what I mean? They don't they don't look like Is that not what they're trying to do though? They're trying to Yeah, but you know, yeah. yeah but it's not it like has that. to be it has to be authentic. close to yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, to what goes on, do you know what yeah. I mean? I think yeah. Love Hate done a brilliant though, yeah, didn't they? They done a now, great job of it. Granted, he could have done it a bit better. The accents and all and you're yeah, like, a little ah, bit like a bit, but like the storylines were very good. Yeah, yeah. like, oh, that was very good. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was fucking It's it was great ripping. to see. It's great to see. Like, yeah. I like I like watching. But that's because like, half of it was filmed around Ballymore and you're like, yeah, look at that. Yeah. One thing in that bit was like, yeah. I can't believe, I can't believe I didn't get a bleeding cameo in it. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. yeah. So, Owen, into yourself. Tell us a bit about you, where you're from, what was life like growing up and what you do. Yeah. So, uh, my name is Owen Roddy. Um, I'm from Ballymun. Sorry to hear. Yeah. yeah uh, tell you what, wouldn't change it, wouldn't change it. So I'm from Ballymun. Um, I became a professional fighter when I was about 18 and then I became a coach. But uh, growing up in Ballymun, like we are, you've, you've, everyone's heard the stories about Ballymun, the flats in Ballymun, uh, the towers and stuff like that. And you know what? I I loved growing up in Ballymun. I lived in the, in the courts and uh, uh, I hung around in Balcourt, which was a blade mad spot. It was a great spot. Um, the community is... Phenomenal. Everybody knows everyone. Everyone loves everyone. Everyone has everyone's back. And it's kind of like us against them. It was kind of that mentality where on the blocks in Balcourt, everyone's sitting out. You know, you always look back on, you know, summers and everyone's having a few drinks on the block and there's just mad things going on. Cars flying up and down, bikes going up and down, horses running across the field. It was just like, it was like the Wild West where everyone, everyone had everyone's back. So yeah, I grew up in Ballymun. I played football for Ballymun United for a, for a good few years. I never really even wanted to get into football. It was gas. And my mates were, were doing like, trials for the Ballymun United team. And I was sitting there on the sideline just watching. And uh, the coaches, Anto Jones and uh, Peter Smith, was like, get on and, and, and play. And I was like, I don't really, I'm not really into it. I don't really want to play. He said, get the fuck on and play. Stop <laughs> back the bollocks. So I got on and uh, I started playing. And then my mates all left the following week. But I, I'm this type of person that like, I don't give up stuff. Mm. Like I just, I'm, all right, I'm in now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. So I was, uh, I was a left, played left full and centre half. Played with them for about five or six years as a kid. And it was great. And I played with Doc. Doc was on my team and a few boys. And we had a, we had a great team growing up. We won the league every year. I got player of the year a couple of times. And just uh, getting it out there. Now yeah, self, you know yourself. <laughs> but uh, I was a good defender. It was fast. I, would, I was always, I'd always win people to the ball uh, and get a good tackle in. But uh, sports saved me life. I, like, I was playing football and my mates at the time were, you know, whacking the bollocks are up, mm. huffing gas. Like, with a, with a young lad that was 12, I remember I was training. And uh, the lads are up huffing gas up in the block. And uh, one of the lads, only bleeding 12 years of age, he was huffing the gas out of this bleeding big canister. Obviously, I don't know, he got a bubble in the brain and died, like, 12. And I always thought about that. It was like, like if I had been there, you, I'd, I'd you have know. gave it a go. Like, yeah, you gave it a go. But that, that his life, that, that, that was it. He, he was gone. Age yeah. 12, never got a start, never got nothing. Do you know what I mean? But the fact that I was playing football yeah. and I had like a responsibility to show up for my team, I was just lucky that I wasn't there, you know? So I always turned back to sport so many times throughout my life. It, it really helped me. So as I said, I played ball for a good few years. Uh, great fun. You're playing away matches and there's about 20 people thrown into a van. Yeah, no yeah, seats, yeah. no, no, no seat belts, everybody bouncing <laughs> off each other, heading out the fingers. Stopping off in a shop and fleecing it. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's it. And then, uh, and I played football, the team fell apart. And people went to other teams and stuff like that. Took a year or two out, start hanging around, mm. start 
getting involved with all with everybody else gets involved. Like there was a good gang of us and in Ballymun and you heard Doc talk about it. Ballymun was very uh, very territorial. Mm. So you, you have a split up like you've got Coutry and Shangan down on, on one side of the Ballymun Road and then you've got Bal Chorus, Bal Butcher, Poppentry, Bell Clare, all on the other side of the, the Ballymun Road. And we had a good group of lads and the heavy lads, like there was a lot of us. And we ended up getting into a bit of shit with, with, the, with the lads from Coutry. And it was heavy. It was heavy. Like, I couldn't cross that Ballymun Road because if I did cross it, and it, uh, you'd, be, you'd be cut up the bits. Like, you'd be, sl you'd be sliced up left, right, centre. And that's why it was tough for tough for years. And all for what, like? What? For nothing. What happened was, years ago, it was one Christmas, somebody brought a blade and a big knife. Yeah, look at this knife. And my mate took it off and said, give me that knife. And he had it on him. And we were going up to the up to the office to get a, a bit of gargle. We are only, what, 14, 15 at the time. And my mate took out the knife to somebody from Coutry and was like, yeah, we'll bleed and stab it. And they were like, yeah, you will in your bollocks or whatever. So that was it. They got ran and we went back down to, we were down in Shangan. And next of all, about 150 of them came across and we were like, bollocks. Some bloke ran at me with a bleeding big fucking two by four. We put it on martial arts. So he was like, you know, you block it like this. And I was like, I blocked it. Now I think I bleeding broke my arm. My arm was in the heat for days, but I didn't take a smack of the plank in the head. Few days back and forth, everything, you know, everyone was smashing everyone up and whatever. And it, 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 I went and then that was it for a couple of days. Then we loaded up, went back down to Coutry, ransacked the blocks. And then that was tiff at half for a while. I remember I was down in, uh, I was down in Shanghai and I was beating a board from Coutry at the time. And uh, somebody bleed and put them away there. I was down a couple of blocks away from the lads. And I'm sitting there meeting the board. Next of all, two lads come around the corner. One of them whips out a big fucking sword. He's like, we have you now, Roddy. And I ran and slipped, didn't I? And he swung the thing, it bounced on me. It must have been a bleeding. must have been a big stage out. It wasn't sharp because I took, I, I took a smack in the back. And I ran. And I ended up getting away. I, spra I sprinted up. My mates were up the block. And I was just back and forth for years. But and you know what's mad? I'm sorry if I couldn't cross it. If that was today and yeah. we bumped into any one of them people that you're talking about, from there, oh, where you're from, and we said, where are you from? You would all just say Ballymun. Yeah. You would never say the specific spot. Yeah. You just say Ballymun. Yeah. These are all from the same area. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was just a mad buzz. It just, it was always this gang trying to prove that we're the biggest and this gang and we're, now we're the biggest and it was just, it was just heavy. You know what I mean? It's madness. And I went on for years and it got a bit rough because I got, I nearly got caught a few times because I was always out and about. Like, my mates wouldn't leave the block where I was going to school or I, was, uh, I wasn't training doing MMA at the time or anything like that. But I was always out doing something and my board was from Coutry. And I was like, they knew where I was, like, you know what I mean? I nearly got caught a few times. So I, I rang up the main guy's number and I says, look, I'll tell you what, I'll come down and I'll give you a straightener and we'll, we'll figure this out, like. And uh, he was like, yeah, no, but now your man, I'd say at the time, he did a box lump sound. He was a big fella, like, you know what I mean? But I was like... Fuck it, I'll just get down. You and have to get over and done. Yeah, I'll get down and, and I was like, I was like, I just need oh, the stress of it, like, you know what I mean? It wasn't more there. So we went down to give him a strain, but he must have been out. I, I rang him, I said, Where are you? I says, I'm down here in the country. Wait, what's the crack? And he's like, Ah, fuck it, Roddy, you're grand. Because I'm all right, like, I was never a, I was never a bogey, I never started trouble. I'd get involved, and my mates were fighting, I'd be involved. But I'd never hit anyone for nothing. I'd never, I'd never do anything slow. I was always just a chilled lad, like, do you know what I mean? Mm. So I was like, Roddy, you never really, you never started that, blah, blah, blah. So it was all right. A couple of years, my boy, or whatever. And uh, it kind of just fizzled out. And I bumped into one or two of them. One or two of them went on the gear and whatnot. And uh, I bumped into one of them, actually. He was actually had an Aslan gig, gig and he was out. So he, was, he looked in a bit of a rough state. And he was like, all right, Roddy, what's the story? Now, this bloke would have cut me up if I had met him years ago. Yeah. yeah. And uh, 
I bumped into him and it was just like, ah, what's the story? What's the story? All right. And I was kind of left at that. Yeah. But I felt bad for him because I found out we went on care. I wouldn't wish anybody yeah. that life. No matter, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, yeah, and that's that. That went on like that for years. But same again. The amount of fun I had growing up, the amount of stories like just you know, flats getting raided and police coming and it was just <laughs> it was just always exciting. Yeah. It was always exciting. There was always something going on. You know, yeah. this gang is at the coming up and letting shots off here and. It's not great, like it's terrible, like you know what I mean. But when you're young, you're you're naive. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Now looking back on it, I'm like, Jesus, how late nuts was that? Yeah. But uh, I never regret it. Yeah. I yeah. never regret it. You know what I mean? It yeah, made see, me who I am. That's how it gets normalised as yeah. well, though. You know what I yeah. mean? Because you're growing up seeing that, and that's exciting for you as a kid, and then yeah. you're kind of thinking, how the fuck do I get involved? And yeah, yeah. Here. And and then it's just now you're just in it. Yeah, yeah. You know what I it's mean? It's mad, but that's why I, I always talk about sport, or not even sport. Anything. Oh yeah, we say you need to find a positive addiction that will that you like more than everything else. Mm. Whether it's podcasting, whether it's filmmaking, because you know in Ballymore we have lots of youth clubs and you know that they're trying to give the kids opportunity to do anything, whether it's music, writing songs, whatever it may be, you need to find something, an addiction that is gonna keep you away from all of that. Because if you don't find a good addiction, you'll end up finding a bad addiction. Whatever it may be, bleeding, joyriding, like is you know people say don't they, they don't say that's addictive. hundred percent that is. Yeah. One of my mates was one of the maddest joyriders ever. He was the smallest young fella you'd ever see. He looked about six. <laughs> and that young fella would fucking <laughs> rally a car like you never seen before in your life. And he nearly died a few times. Yeah. But the thrill of that, like, that was his thrill. That was his addiction. Mm. He loved that. Bikes, cars, all day, every day, yeah. any chance he could get. Mm. And but he spent same again. He spent most of his life in prison. Yeah. Still an issue from, now when you think from about joyriding. You yeah. know what I mean? People on bikes and rob cars and and people dying, kids dying left yeah. and center in in all our areas. You know, flying around like I'd love to see you know a bit of investment with skills for for you know cross country or driving scramblers and stuff like that. Motocross, sorry, motocross or mm. rally driving or or stuff like that. You know, mm. we'd have some of the best people in the world. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And you're doing it legally. Isn't that uh, one or two lads and they're like some of the best in the world that drifting in Ireland and that they doing yeah. it since before they were legally able to drive. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You're like, how the fuck did you learn? Yeah. yeah. But th that's how good you are. So there is something there that happened. There. Like we went to Bladen Mandelo there last year. Yeah. You got the, like, the whole package and you're just rallying cars. You're yeah. like, this is the best fun you'll have legally. Yeah. Do you well, know what I mean? Well, you're doing handbrakes in the Glanza and all. Yeah. You're doing that in the flats. Yeah. Do you this know what I mean? Yeah. And that's like, lads love that. Like they just don't have the opportunity to do that. Mm. Like, do you know what I mean? They just don't have, there's no opportunity for anyone to be a motocross professional or a, a professional rally driver. You know, just if there was an opportunity there, I'm sure lads would take it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, you're playing football for a few years and you're 10 years. Yeah. How do you get into MMA then? Um, Especially back then. Yeah. Because yeah. So there was nobody was, doing it. Yeah. I got given a UFC one on it. VHS, you probably don't remember VHS. Yeah, oh, yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we had one anyway. So, uh, my brother's mate gave him UFC one and uh, put it on. It was like, shit, man, these boys are actually throwing digs at each other and trying to kill each other. Mm. And uh, you know what? I wanted to get involved, I wanted to learn how to fight as well because all of this stuff was going on. It's you know, benefit you know? Yeah. and you always had to fight in Ballymun. I used to fight every bleeding day of the week. I used to fight every day of the week with one of my closest friends now. Yeah. We just used to fight each other all the time. And they were very close friends. Do you know what I mean? I was always into martial arts as well. My brother done martial arts. He was a brown belt. I done martial arts as a kid for a little bit. Didn't like it. 
got into football. So as soon as I seen UFC one, I started looking for it. And then um, I couldn't find it anywhere. They used to have martial arts in the back of the Herald. So you'd look and you get the number and you'd ring it. And it was like, what? it was all traditional martial arts. It was like, no, nah, that's not street fighting or Valley Tudor or UFC or uh, cage fighting is what mm. I was looking for. And then I'm in school. I'm uh, 17 or nearly 18. And uh, I'm looking in the library and there's a bloke there showing the kids how to do arm bars and transition you. So I ran in, I was like, that's bleeding. Cage fighting, isn't it? Mm. And I was like, yeah, it's that's the ballet Tudor or No Holds Barred or whatever they called it back then. I says, where do you do it? He says, I do it in Calista. I says, well, can I uh, can I come down and try it? He says, yeah, come down on Saturday morning. So got on the push bike, so I got down to Calista. And it was Andy Ryan uh, who runs Team Ryan up. Mm. John Cavanagh, who obviously became my coach. Dave Roach, who was from Ballymun, yeah. right? So these were the original guys. They were only starting out. Like there, were, there was no black belts or anything like that. No jujitsu black belts. I think John managed to get his blue belt, which was the highest belt in the country. Dave had had uh, a few no holds barred fights in the in the UK and a few underground street fights and all of that mad yeah. stuff. So went straight in. Seeing John was the smallest lad there, so we asked him. I said, "John, can we move around with you?" And he's like, "Ah, I'm gonna go with the bigger guys." So bigger guys will show him yeah. and then he just tied everyone in a knot and I was like thankful for that yeah. <laughs> so he showed me a few things and that was in Andy's judo uh, hall but that kind of after a couple of weeks I don't know what happened it uh, it closed down and there was no gym but I found out off Dave who's from Ballymun that John had a gym in Fibsra the shed the infamous shed mm. so I started going out there and then Dave Roach used to, he used to have a shed in Ballymun and he used to bring me back to his shed and just punch the face at me. Gas, <laughs> madness. Like, so you go back to, you do your training, you go back to Dave's shed and Dave would be like showing you how to fish up somebody and hold them against the wall and just, you'd just be punching them out. <laughs> I was like, I'd be going home to me, my black eye busted now. I was like, this is fucking deadly. But uh, Dave, so Dave was kind of known in Ballymun for, for being a good street fighter and having a good knock. And, uh, I bumped into Dave years ago. I was hanging around in Salok with a few of the lads and they knew Dave. I didn't know him really at the time. They were like, come on, we go over to Dave and we'll rub his stuff. He used to have a little shop van. So I was like, come on, we go over and annoy Dave and we'd rub a few sweets on him. <laughs> I was like, all right. So I ran in first. Like he came out and he was like, all right. And I ran over first and he bleeding, kicked me in the head straight away. Whoop. Used to wear these Doc Martens with bleeding. Do you remember these old Doc Martens with the steel and all on them? They used to be steel fucking bits <laughs> on them and all. And he just done that. It was only messing, but he nearly bleeding knocked me out. And I was like, all right, that's that's Dave Roach, is he? Yeah, I'll remember him. <laughs> so when I met him again, then I, I, I got talking to him. And I was like, you, I, I want to be, I want to do this fighting and blah, blah. Started doing that with John. And then I became a professional. There was no amateurs. After about eight or nine months, I was straight in fighting. So but, you had no background in it then? Like you had no, no, uh, no discipline, no specific no, just martial arts? No, the hard knocks of Ali Moon. <laughs> <laughs> but that's unheard of yeah. these days. What? That's unheard of. No one just goes straight into those straight... Yeah. Mixed martial arts. Yeah, so, see, this was this was one of the first clubs in the country. It was only new. Nobody was doing it. We were just trying to figure it out at the time. Like, And you were yeah. a guinea pig. Yeah, I know, yeah, I took a few lickings, but like, <laughs> I loved every minute of it. I always had this mentality, like, I was like, all right, yeah, you're bashing me now, but like, you've you done this on me, I'm going to remember that, and I'm going to eventually outwalk you and, and uh, get mm -hmm. you, like, you know what I mean? And I did, like, within a year or so, I was like, one of the best, not, if not the best in the country, at my mm -hmm. way, like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then from there, I just started fighting pro for nothing. And I just, I, I knew after about a year or two, after my first fight, I was like, I could probably make a career out of this. At the time, I was out of school and I was going to go to college to do bleeding art. I was, I was handy at the old art, little sketches and shit like that. And uh, I decided, I said, no, I'll just get a job and I'll keep training. And I had a good job uh, 
doing calibration, like for like a pharmaceutical company, and they were like, "You, you we'll give you an apprenticeship and do it for four years, and uh, you'll be making good money." And I was like, "Oh, I don't really fuck, I don't like what I'm doing." Do you know what I mean? I, I was getting up, I was getting in. I walked, as, walking at seven, and then I'd get on a bus from Finglas to town, a bus from town to Harold's Cross. I do a training session at Harold's Cross. Then I go from Harold's Cross to uh, Raffarin, I'm teaching kids class, then back to uh, Harold's Cross, do another training session, and then back into town, then from town to Ballymoon. I was doing that for fucking years, nonstop. And uh, we end up just saying to the job, I says, look, I'm going to be a professional for you. I'm going to take this up as a career. That's like, some risk. They were like, yeah, right, whatever. In yeah. what? In MMA. And he's like, what's that? Is that WWE? They all thought it was professional wrestling. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But like, it started to work out for me. I started to make a decent name. I never made any money, really. Like, I think the most I used to make was 1,200 quid. 1,200 quid, and that was good money for what I was doing. And then I used to sell tickets. And I used to bleed and sell a heap of tickets. I'd have fucking 1,000 Ballymunners in there, all losing that bleeding money. <laughs> and I was good. With lots more wins than losses anyways. And every fight I was in, I never, I went to one decision in my life. That was the one where Mossy ended up on top of the cage. <laughs> <laughs> um, but every other fight, you know, the one in the in the distance, I lost in the distance. But I tell you what, it was, I, was all in. I, was in, I was in for the kill. You better kill me or I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And that was it. It was great. I loved it. What was your first fight like? First fight. Um, I was in a ring up in the north. And uh, I was a bit nervous and all, but I, I felt confident, like I was decent enough jiu-jitsu and all. And uh, you're in there and once you're in, you're like, Phew, Mm. Like, what's the story here? There's no need. You don't need to be doing this. Like, mm. but once the first dig is thrown, I'm like, I'm gonna fight the fucking. You better put me out here, or else I'll put you out here. And that was it. That's all I had in my head. So we got in, and I went at this young flip as hard as I could, and I was bollocked after about after about three and a half minutes, four minutes. It's like I'm fucked here. I'm not gonna be able to do a second <laughs> round. But anyways, I end up taking him down, and uh, he leaned into me and ended up catching him, catching him in a triangle. And then finishing it. And then when I got up, it was like the best feeling on it. They talk about talk about doing coke or ears or whatever. You ain't getting a better feeling than, than winning a fight and getting that burst of adrenaline. And then for 24 hours, you're like, you're a king. Yeah. And you, you just and then the problem is you're chasing that for the rest of your life. Yeah. You're chasing that 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 bleeding that, that win. Yeah. And then you get your lost and you're bleeding, crying, you're bleeding heart out, and you're you're all over the place and you're like is it water? But yeah, like, I just want that win again. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah. Good hoy to be chasing though. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, but like, <laughs> the problem is, and you see it all the time, you're 45 and you're, your best years have passed you and mm. you're still chasing that bleeding win, mm. aren't you? Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's sad it, to see that sometimes. It's very sad. Yeah, it's very sad. Like, I'd have been probably doing it st still myself. I'm kind of I'm grateful that I was forced to retire. Yeah. At the time, my world crumbled. I swear to God, I was like, because, I fought another UFC veteran and I had me moments I was I was beating him and Connor was just at the being signed and Connor was like right lads I have the door open now and we're all going and I was like I'm next in there and I lost to the guy right but I, I gave him a bit too much respect I should have pushed it a little bit more but uh, anyways I was like I remember putting a post up on Facebook I was like yeah I lost but I learned I learned a lot from this fight and I know I says, I'm well capable of fighting the best in the world and beating him I says, I gave that bloke too much respect. But the next person I fight, I'm going through. And then a couple of months after that, we found out I had these injuries and they were like, we can try and see if you're going to fight again. And I did try and I reached out to so many people and I gave it about five or six months of, of graft and to see if we could get the all clear. And I was told that you wouldn't get the all clear to fight in the UFC. 
And I was like, all right. So when, it, when, when I found out it was done, I gave myself two weeks of, of crying and whinging and blaming everybody. And I says, after two weeks, I'm, you're going to make a decision on what you're going to do with yourself. And then uh, after two weeks, I just said, right, I'm just going to be a full-time coach. And then, had you got that idea in your head while you were fighting? I was always coaching anyway. First off, when I started training in John's, he let me train for free if I cleaned the mats. Mm -hmm. So I cleaned the mats every uh, every week, fight for a few years. And then he says, I have, another, I have a little job there if you make a few bob. He says, you can help, you can teach the kids classes or whatever. And I done that. And I, you know, when you're teaching kids, you have to learn to be patient and you have yeah, to like make, you yeah, have to, yeah. you have to be able to make things very easy. You can't show a child, you know, a 10 step sequence. It's got to be very simple. And I got good at coaching fairly quick, you know what I mean? But uh, I didn't know whether, whether I wanted to be a full time coach or whatever. And then I just decided, I says, right, you're still going to be involved in the sport that you, you, you loved. You're just going to take a different road. And I took that road. But that road probably took me to higher places than my career probably would have ever done. So. Yeah. You know, sometimes you have to be flexible and you have to be able to, you yeah, know, that. make a left or make a right, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know have you I mean? any regrets with fighting? No, none at all. Best best decision I've ever ever made. MMA is, is has brought me all over the world. I fought all over the world, countries that I'd never you'd never see, Slovakia and Estonia and Sweden and all over Europe and I've been everywhere in, in, in the States and I've coached in all of the biggest fights in the last 10 years. The biggest combat sports fights that have ever happened. We've been part of them all. It's unbelievable. Who gets to do that? <laughs> Ballymoon, what? Mm. Jesus. You know, you never like, and it goes to show, what we'll say, you know, people from Ballymoon, like, we have some 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 people that have done really, really well out of Ballymoon. Really, really well, like. Which do you prefer? Fighting or coaching? Fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not even a question there. Because it's no. on you then. Yeah, you're telling me. someone what to do and they're not doing yeah. it, then you're like, you're yeah. fucking. Yeah, it's yeah. Not in, I'm, I'm not in control. Yeah, I'm not in control. I, but I hate I, that. I, I, I can't. Coach. Yeah, because like, I like the whole responsibility thing. Yeah. Whatever happens is on me. Yeah. yeah. This podcast goes, show you, I should have done better. Yeah. You know, things like that. Yeah. Imagine me saying, right, turns you and then you say this to own grand. Yeah. And you don't say it the way I told you that. Mm. That frustrated the life out of me. Yeah. You know, like that. And, uh, it's like you're a bit greedy, isn't it? Like when you're a fighter, like when you're in sports as an individual, I think you're, a, I don't want to say greedy, but all the attention's on you. There's an ego. The loss is on you. So you have to embrace the loss that's on me, but the win is on you and it's yours as well. I know you have a team and they help you, but you get all the help in the world. You've got to make the walk and you've got to do it on the night. That's why you have, you know, some of the best fighters in the world that's are gym fighters. You know, you can't touch them in the gym. Under the lights, they don't perform. And is that a common thing? That is very Do common. people crumble under the lights? Very, very common. Very mm. common. Um, it's And it, it's it's shocking. You're looking at people and you're like, they, and you only know until the first fight how this person's going to Yeah, because you can't replicate it in the they gym. talk all the best. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go in here. I'm going to smoke this fella. When you see, spinning back kicks all day. Yeah. Hey, yeah. And you go in and you're like, this fella hasn't thrown a jab. Yeah. Hasn't thrown a shot. Throw the shot. And they're in the head. You have to be able to get out of your head and just go over it. And uh, just trust your ability and just commit. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And some people just, they freeze. But uh, with coaching, you're not in control. And you're sitting there and you're just hoping that the kid can, can do it on the night. And sometimes they don't and it's heartbreaking and you feel it for them. And it's, oh. With me, like, yeah, I'm all right. We'll, we'll cry if I lose and we know I'll be all right in a week. We know how I'm, I'm going to deal with it. But you don't know how guys are going to deal with the losses as well. Whether they're going to just give it up, whether they're going to come back. 
it's mad, it's mad, boys. You know, coaching is very hard as well. Mm. Do you it, feel the highs of the winning as well? Like ah, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Obviously, not as deep, Lou. Oh, see, the thing is, as a coach, you win and lose every weekend. So yeah, you're happy one weekend. I'm delighted this weekend. My lad went went up, uh, Max Laddie. Yeah, uh, had a lovely win last weekend over. Probably Max and, and this guy are the, the two best prospects coming out of the country at uh, Featherway. And my lad won, won, the, won the amateur title. So, like, we shared in that win, you know. It's his win, but I, I helped. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, we can get a bit of a buzz out of that. Mm. But, you know, with they lose, I shared in that loss as well. And I'm trying to critique myself. Could I have done this and could I have done that? And mm. maybe I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have done this. And it is what it is, you know. Who's the biggest prospects in yours, Jane? Um... I've only got a small a small uh, crew now, you know what I mean? Yeah. But obviously Jay Harris is, is, is up there, very, very good lad. Yeah. Um Andreas Binder is he's a bit further along than Jay, like as in he's nine fights and he's seven and two. And I spoke to the UFC about him, they were looking at him and uh we had him fight this this high level black belt and your man just got ahead of him and yeah. subbed him. So now he, he has to get another two or three wins. Mm. He came back, he's two two more wins now. Uh he's fighting for a title soon. Um, so he's good prospects, Max and all. A couple of young amateurs that are gonna eventually turn pro soon yeah. as well. Young team, and then I've loads of new young kids coming through that have been with me for years. Yeah, that are very good as well. So it's exciting times. Big shout out to Kiefer as well, yeah. by the way. Delighted. This is one of those tests for Kiefer. You know, if he gets the win over him, now you can start demanding. And and he did. And um, that's what you yeah. have to do. Yeah. yeah, you have to say, look, give me a shot. Yeah. I remember Kiefer when he joined John's gym over in the Longmoyle. And I always said, he, he always reminded me of a, like a, a weak Mike Tyson, small and stocky, yeah. uh, explosive power, and would knock you out with anything. And he's just progressed. One thing with Kiefer in his amateur career, he never he never really pulled the trigger. And I remember talking to him, I was like, Kiefer, you're phenomenal. You're phenomenal. I remember saying to him, I was like, if you go into a fight and just let somebody throw shots at you and, and let him hit you, and feel it. You didn't come to one beat you. Mm. You're too good, even if you weren't to turn up. So when you turn up and when you commit, you're going to make people. And his amateur career wasn't great, but then his pro, his pro career, he started putting around people and started just going in there. Now sometimes I nearly, nearly want to tell him to calm it down. Yeah. <laughs> because he's all in now. All, all in. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? So, uh, yeah, but delighted for him. I hope he gets the call up. Yeah. It'd, now, be, it'd be great to see. I don't know if I'm going to ruin his little limits he has going on now, but I always said it to you, Terry. From day one, he said, I want Keith on. I always used to say, yeah. and I'm terrified of that man. <laughs> Look, I don't want to sit in a room with him. You know what I mean? Keith was the nicest bloke you'll ever I swear to God, I met him, yeah. and he's the soundest fella I've yeah. ever met. And even online now, you'd be back and forth with him on Instagram, whatever. Yeah. He's 100%. He's yeah. so nice. But then you look at him, and he's like, he's yeah. the boogeyman. Yeah. He's terrified. Looks, looks, man. Looks can be deceiving, man. They definitely yeah. can. But he's so ruthless and cold, and he's just. But he is sound. Yeah. Two, about two years ago, he was on this podcast, yeah, and he was telling yeah, us we were sitting yeah. in a blade barber shop, and he was telling us he's like, yeah. "I'm going to the UFC, lad." Yeah. And there he is, there. And you need that belief. And he, he, you know what? He made some tough decisions in his career, recently, like up to recently. Like he left Bellator, and he's making good money there. But he has, he's a, he has a bigger pitch on him. He's yeah. a goal, and he, he wants to, he wants to attain it. And I love somebody that mm. that is willing to. To take big risks like that, you know what I mean? Mm. It was a risk. But you, you can look at interviews from Kiefer from years ago saying, yeah. fuck Bellator, fuck, fuck yeah. a lot of money yeah. going to the UFC. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? This is it. To put the gloves on is, uh, for most MMA fighters at the moment, it still is the, the goal. Yeah. You know, yeah. but at some point in your life, you have to turn around as well and, and say, that mightn't be in the pipeline for me. So if you're 28, 29 or 30 and you've only got a few years left, 
you need to start getting a bit of fucking bit of money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Bellator pay very well. The PFL pay very well. Yeah. It's hard to get into one FC, but they all pay very well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So sometimes, and you have to be flexible. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You have to be able to go, all right, look, that's that door is almost closed yeah. or is closed. I need to deviate and, and take another route. You know what I mean? I think the people as well that can, can also you know, navigate well through the point they'll have a successful career, uh, career as well. Yeah, and that's the thing, the landscape is going to change as well. Yeah. It's not like you never made it to the UFC or a failure. Yeah. You can be very successful yeah. in other promotions. Yeah. Like, look at Nate and Kelly. Nate and Kelly's making good money at PFL. Yeah, yeah very you know good. I mean? Headlining shows. And Sinead, he's had Sinead on as yeah, well. Sinead, Doing yeah. very well. Yeah. Phenomenal. Great girl, Jesus Christ. So there is uh, avenues to go down. James Gallagher is making James good money made, as well. Um, is making really good money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that tells her all that. He does a little giggle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know what? Because he, same again, he picked a different route, but has been very successful. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know what? At the end of the day, it depends what your goal is as well. But money has to be your goal. If you're a professional fighter, money is your goal. Yeah, you want to be the best in the world, but you have to be able to survive as yeah, well the best in the world the finance will come with that yeah exactly the best in the world gets paid yeah, yeah exactly let's be this, real is it. this is it yeah you know yeah right moving on I have a question for you yeah go go a question that we asked John as well so you obviously get these people all the time yeah critics of like combat sports yeah I'm not just going to say MMA yeah mm. what would you say to critics of MMA that say like it just promotes violence and stuff like that I mean for me I like all sports so I don't really care about what sport you do once you're doing some sport I feel people that grow up in areas like where I grew up, sports saves lives. And, you know, I'll talk about myself and how it saved my life. And combat sports, it's the oldest kind of sport ever. Like when you look back in, you know, the Olympics in the Greek time, it was fighting, you know mm. what I mean? And everything spanned from that, you know, and people have a choice. If people want to go in and and, uh, and do boxing or kickboxing and kind of prove themselves, I think they have a choice to do it, you know what I mean? I think doing that, over doing nothing, I would, I would always choose uh, choose sports. And combat sports, it was just a sport that I fell in love with. For whatever reason, I don't know, I think a certain type of person gets into combat sports. I think it's the toughest sport to get into. You know, you're exposing yourself. Like, whatever about losing a, a game of tennis, even if it's an individual sport like tennis or snooker, or, you know, where it's one-on-one, -on -one, it's still nothing comes close to going in there and, and fighting. It's, you know, you're, you're putting it all out there. And, you know... The wins are great and the losses are terrible. And it takes it takes a unique character to get in and do it. But uh, yeah, like they'll they'll critique everything and they'll give out about they'll find something to give out about, mm. you know. But for me, I think it does more good than it does damage. You see a lot of stuff that talks about the rugby now and the concussions and stuff mm. like that. It, it, it is getting more in, in the public eye, but I honestly believe that it does more good, like yeah. than damage. Like you have kids that aren't into football, they're not into this, they're not into that, but they love combat sports, they love kickboxing. I'd rather them do that than sit at home on that on that PlayStation or on their yeah. Xbox or, yeah, definitely, yeah. or on their phone all day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And what all sports do is they learn you how to deal with adversity. They they teach you that nothing comes overnight. Yeah. They learn you to deal with loss and, and how you overcome losses and uh, and what it takes to, to come back from a loss. Like these are skills that transcend sport. Yeah. You know, these are skills that I took personally into, you know, being a, a business life. owner uh, and setting up different companies and taking risks and opening up a couple of companies and stuff like that. That all comes from realising that, like, if I can be calm when some bloke is trying to take the breath out of me, like, trying to mm. choke me unconscious, if I can be calm in that situation, I can be calm and collected setting up a company or, you know, coming up with a strategy for a new company or yeah. running a business or, you know, organising this or that, you know. So I think 
I think it transcends just the sport. You know, yeah, what I mean, the yeah. life skills you get is is phenomenal. And, and even on the health side of it, they're coming in with more measures. And you see it in football, yeah. they're putting in like uh, concussion measures yeah. now. So if you have a concussion, you can't play next week. You yeah. have to be signed off. You see it in MMA, MMA, especially in Ireland. Ireland is the gold standard for amateur MMA in the world. Mm. Okay, the gold standard. Okay, everyone needs a brain scan before they start. You need regular blood tests, doctor's clearance every time. Eye test the whole lot. Okay, if you have a concussion, uh, you're out for for eight weeks. You can't you can't take any contact for eight weeks. It's brilliant. You know, it's, we are the gold standard, and I hope all the other countries now follow our platform. The OIMA, which is the the acting governing body, is uh, doing a phenomenal job. Yeah, so they're doing it in loads of sports as well. Like you've, you've blood subs in some sports. Yeah. You've uh, oh yeah, you don't let kids head footballs in England in schoolboy now. Yeah. Don't let them head football. Yeah, you're not allowed to head a football. Yeah, I don't, know. Like, hey, I don't know about that. The football's a lot softer nowadays. Yeah. I tell you what, back in the day, you, you had a moita ball. Back when I used to be <laughs> yeah. playing football, yeah. you didn't know your name for a month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only joking. You were grand, but you're Jesus. Now in a cold morning. Oh, like, you got to smack. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, you've yeah. been in an awful state, yeah. Well, that's it. So the health side, they are leaning into the yeah. consideration then. They're like, yeah. this is what we need to do to prevent this yeah. stuff. So there is that. The of course, if we can make it safe, I make it safe. Yeah. And, and still keep it to its as close to the truest form as yeah. possible. And even tackles and rugby now, you know yeah. what I mean? You can see like they're like they're cutting their out. You tackle bleeding, what is it like shoulder, the head contact, boom, you're off. Yeah, you're about that. yeah so. I think I think the refing is is a huge thing. Like yeah. for MMA, like your life is in the refs' hands. Yeah, yeah. But the refs are phenomenal. Yeah. You know what I mean? They see you wobbling or anything like that. And That's right. Yeah. They know, they yeah. know, like you're 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 out. You're out on your feet or you're, you're out, out, you know what I mean? So. Mm. And I don't even think, as well, I don't think even being extreme when you say it saves lives, when you're yeah. from an area where we're from, like, where we're from, let's make no mistake about it, boys, there's a lot of shit that goes on, like, in mm. terms of fucking selling drugs, taking drugs, crime, yeah. any sort of crime that goes on. Yeah. So getting kids in early. Yeah. And getting them into a sport like that and learning them discipline and making them show up every week, keeping them off the streets and waiting doing stuff like that. Yeah. It's not a matter of life and death in every situation, but when yeah. they're saying saving lives, you're saving them going to prison, you're saving 100%. them ending up in addiction. And to be, to be honest, it is a matter of life and death. Like, mm. Who do you know that's at, at coming out of prison that has, has went into a half-decent job or managed to turn their life around? Mm. Very few. Yeah. I know most of my mates are... Find it very hard after coming out of prison. Kind of a revolving. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. You know, you talk to the boys and you'd be like, even any jobs, like my job is very specific because you need to be skilled at mixed martial arts to take it on. But the boys are going in the job and as soon as you see, you know, it's done to him, it's like, they don't want that. Like, they don't want to give people a chance. I always said if we, or if one or two companies that I set up and if one of them makes it big, I would love to set up in Dublin just to have people coming out of prison and, and, giving, them and giving them a job. Yeah. Get, giving them an opportunity to get back on the straight and narrow because we all know loads of lads that have, have made mistakes as a kid that has had a you know, huge yeah. impact on that yeah. on that life you know and they're finding it very hard to to get their life back on on the straight and narrow you know what I mean yeah definitely yeah like with Ballymun you know addiction is a huge issue you know the wrong addiction which is drugs or joyriding or robbing or whatever I found an addiction that was positive for me that addiction is what stopped me from staying out and running amok till four in the morning or five in the morning every weekend um, because I'd have training the next day. And it got me out of some serious holes because some situations that we were in, that if I had to be in there, God knows what would have happened and where that would have took me. But uh, I love sport more than I love, I love mixed martial arts more than I love everything. Mm. Yeah. So that was that's what that's what kept me. Was your priority? Yeah, that was my priority and that was my addiction, was yeah. my mixed martial arts, which the other boys had different addictions. And you know what, it's weird. 
you know, wherever you spend most of your time at, you get really good at it. Yeah. So, like, if, if, our good, if our lads from our area just had the ability to get involved in something positive or legal, like, we'd have some unbelievable people there, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, all the time. You yeah. say this all the, the time. The skills that they develop doing the wrong things, yep. you can apply them to the right things and be really good at it. I know, 100%. But it's trying to get that message across. Uh, yeah, it's a hard one because the opportunity's not there. Mm. The opportunity's not there for, for, for lads in their area, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Yeah. You just see, and it's history repeats itself. Yeah. You see a lad that got involved in this and is locked up, and then you see his his younger brother doing the same thing. I think it becomes like the norm. Yeah, you know well, what I mean. That's that's, that's the root. You know what I mean? It's even with youngsters that get into addiction with drugs. They don't fear drugs because they've seen people yeah. in their family or they've seen their friends yeah. taking drugs. So they're like, oh, well, I'm not just gonna die if I take that. So it yeah. becomes normalized then, and they're like. I may as well try it or I can try it where if you're from a nice area yeah. and you're not seeing this every day you're kind of thinking like like you heard about drugs and you probably think you have this fear of it yeah yeah where, yeah, yeah. You're from where we're from you kind of see it every day and you go yeah oh, it's not yeah. that bad it's not that bad yeah. or whatever but I, I don't understand it's a tricky one I, I, I never understood this I always found it very difficult in the 80s when in the 80s and early 90s when, when heroin hit Ballymun and it ransacked everyone we came up slightly after that. So I knew, I was like, this guy's on heroin, that guy, these are all on heroin. Like, I'd never touch it. But they're younger brothers, where it's right in your home. You'd nearly think they they wouldn't. Yeah. But they end up on the same, mm -hmm. on the same path. Now, is it down to abuse that you don't hear about and that they're just trying to blank out what happened to them growing up or whatever? Or what? I don't know. But I always found that very, um, very confusing. Like, why would you decide to go on heroin when you're... Ma was on it, and your your older brother or sister was on it, and you see the devastation that I had, and you you follow that same road. Mm -hmm. How does that happen? I don't I don't know. It's just because it's probably because it gets it's it's normalised, and they've seen. I know they see the state that they're in, but yeah. then they're probably it does that curiosity of like, what is it that yeah. has them like that? Yeah. And then if you do take it, they could probably say, I'm gonna try it once, yeah. and then they take it out once they've been through a lot in life, a lot of trauma, poverty, yeah. probably yeah. had nothing. They take this and they feel free as a board, yeah. and they're like, whoa. And that's what it is, you touch on it. escape. Yeah. Because yeah, your family members were on it, that actually caused the trauma to them. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? So they're covering what has been caused to them. So mate, that they can see the effects of it, but it's the effects of it that's done the damage mm. that leads yeah. them to it then. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a double-edged sword, like, you know what I mean? So it's very, but that's, that it makes a lot of sense. That's what happens for generations. And yeah. And this, that cycle just continues then, you know? Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Like, very hard to get out of. Yeah. Very adhesive, you know what I mean? Mm. Them situations. But. Yeah. Right. What's been the highlight of your career? Of a couple of highlights in regards to different parts of my life. So highlight of my career was winning, winning the cage contender belt. Uh, which was the biggest show in Ireland and it was a big kind of international show it was shown all around Europe and stuff like that it was one of the four shows that was on TV and uh, they brought in international fighters and uh, I won the belt and I retained it a good few times as well I fought some really tough guys and then they brought in that veteran from uh, the UFC and I fought him and I retained it in, in Dublin and uh, yeah retaining it in Dublin and coming back from a, a, a Almost being lights out. Like it was so dark, I was about to be asleep. I just managed to get through it, and then I end up getting the win. So that—that mm. that was probably the highlight as a fighter, and then as a coach, like pick one, Jesus. Yeah, it has to be Mayweather, surely. Like Mayweather was okay. phenomenal, but you know what? I took that so bad. I took that so hard. Did you? Yeah, yeah I took it so hard because that was the eyes were on me in regards to like. Yeah. You know, I was I was the striking coach, and yeah, you know, we didn't bring in the the, the boxing crew at that time, so I felt 
very nervous. Like, you know, right, ready. You're going to coach your first boxing match. All right, who's it going to be against? It's going to be against Roy. Best Miller. ever, yeah. Best ever to do it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So, you know yourself. Well, yeah, I do my best. I, I, I do my due diligence. I do. If I'm going to do anything, I give it everything. Yeah. All the time. I can always turn around and look in the mirror and say, right, you've done everything you could. Then. Yeah, in that I moment, watched every yeah. one of his fights millions of times. I talked to Connor about the game plans and all of us as a team came up with a good game plan. We went in to try and execute it and you know what? It's a, it was a difficult one. It's a, yeah. Nobody else has cracked that either. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it was a tough nut to crack. But, um, you know, you look back on kind of landing more shots than anyone. And that's that's proven. It's funny. I only got a, the compu boxes, which which recorded all the shots in yeah. it. Like, he landed more shots than anyone. He, uh, he was more successful than anyone in, in, in the fight. No, but it was just very, very smart. Very yeah. smart. Made him hit the gloves for a lot of, like a good few rounds and you know it was always going to be hard to do 12 rounds it was always going to be hard we, we would look at Connor as a sprinter like fast explosive powerful you know over 12 rounds it's going to be hard to, to do that but you know what it was amazing it was an amazing experience it's something so unique but also just you know so many amazing title fights like you know what I, I probably would say my favourite was Diaz too you come back from a loss you go in there lose and then he doesn't change anything. Now, I'm not going to give him Martin. I'm not going to, because there could be an excuse that we moved down away. Or we changed this, or we changed that. No, I'm going to do exactly the same. I'm not going to change camp. I'm not going to move and go with a different team. Mm. I'm going to deal with the same people. We're going to we're going to look at what went wrong. We're going to fix it. And we're going to go back at this, this fucker. And we went back at him. And I was like... Retribution was the I think retribution was the word. Like we're going in there and we're gonna get retribution. We're gonna we're gonna take that back. And it was a war. And it, it, it showed me something about Connor that we didn't really get to see because he never needed to see it. Like for him to go five rounds and be in tough situations in there and have the heart and have the grit. He always had the skill and he always worked very hard, but he was dragged into a dark, dark place in that fight. And came out and 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 just oh I remember I just I remember the after party and I was yeah. just all over the place. I was like, you just you did it like you know you showed everybody. Yeah, Do you know you showed everybody. What can they say now? Like, and he was in bits his leg because <laughs> he was chopping the leg up. We were in the hospital and all. He was trying to because he thought he fractured his leg. We were even talking about just smash through the leg, no matter what. If he checks, he just kick through the check and just and he did it. it was just. I, I just remember being just so overwhelmed with with happiness for him, just to go through that, you know. So that I think that yeah. that probably stands out as the most, you know what I mean? Was that all or nothing for you going into that? Do you think? Did or did you yeah. even feel that way? Eh, uh, no. We I think we we all had um, our mindset was was like was revenge, was retribution, as you yeah, said. Yeah. And then Adam fought the other guy, one of Diaz's guy before it as well. Mm. So Adam went in and and, and gave it to our man, and then. And then Connor went in, so we 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 stuck it to that team that night, you know. And that was a heavy camp as well, like yeah. lads bleeding. There was nearly killing so many times, like <laughs> it was mad. Me and John it was funny, hilarious. So the whole bottle thrown and you know the, the bit of murder back and forth. We went backstage and they were doing interviews, and me and John walked out. And who did we walk straight out to the middle of? All of them, the two Diaz brothers and all the crew. And I was like. <laughs> Keep the chain down, John. Keep the head down because we're probably going to, and he's like, I know, we're probably going to get a few smacks here. So we're like, oh, right out, like straight through them. But they didn't, they weren't. They were like, I think it was more out of respect. 
Yeah. Was that, and I saw the blade and giving you a few smacks if they if they want. I think it was more out of respect, but I was like, I was just keeping it. I just you know you know yeah, but no years ago when you're right, like let's say I used to always laugh. We used to come into SFX or the Temple Theatre, and you know you're coming out you're coming out of town. You're from Ballymun, and I used to always say it's like the Warriors. Remember the film the Warriors? <laughs> what a film! Where you're trying to get yeah, home. Yeah, yeah. Trying to get out of town, being from Ballymun, <laughs> and walking into Pierce and up Pierce Street, but walking into Blaine Hardrick Street or through some hill or whatever. You're like bollocks, and you know, you know, you know, you're not bumping into the boys, and you know one of them's gonna hit you from the side and give you an awful clout in the side of the head, and you're like just bracing for yeah. impact, like. But uh, I just kept the chin tuck. I was like, oh, I'm gonna. Get an awful smack here, I'm like, but uh, it didn't come, thank God, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Now, it came a few times coming out of Bleeding Town, I will say as well. I'll never forget, I was in there, uh, I was in there, uh, where were we in um, uh, the cinema around the corner here? Just not the cinema, just on Parnell Street, Cine World, Cine World. Yeah. I was in there years ago with a few lads, and one of my mates, mad bleeding head, all right, robbed a load of sweets out of the pick and miss, like a bag, but the bag was, wasn't even open, and he flung it. Down at a lot of the lads, a lot of townies, and they were like, "Oh right, yeah!" And they let it. They they played as well. They're like, "Ah, ah, lads, it's grand, it's grand." I was like, "Yeah." Nobody said that was a film. Went into the toilet, and they they stormed the toilet. And of all people, I must have one of those faces. Yeah, it was that one. I mean, me, the one that done it, start laughing. He slipped out the back. <laughs> he was gone. He, he was one of these boys that get you into shit and then just kind of yeah. hide in the background and laugh at you. And you're like, "You can't, you start this." But I, I took an up a few smacks and I was running around, they were chasing me around bleeding. Where they used to have the arcade and all in there yeah, at the yeah. time. And I was running around, nobody helped me. I was just running around, I was getting digs everywhere. I was like, <laughs> screaming for me ma. I had to bring my brother to come into town and collect me because I was afraid to go outside. <laughs> ah, it was madness. But yeah, coming out of town, it was used to be bleeding. It used to be like, I used to just think of the Warriors. So yeah. what you're telling me is, Nate Diaz wouldn't last pissing time walking down Summerhill. 100%. Oh. 100%. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I'm on a lawyer, but like... Yeah, it's a hard one. It's a hard one to get out of, yeah? Yeah. Ah, oh, gosh, yeah. So what's the plans going forward then? Like, me? By yourself. Well, you know yourself. I'm just... I, Keep coaching, keep coaching away, you know, looking to bring up the young lads, like we've young amateur world champions and a couple of young national world champions that won the nationals there last weekend. So I have a good pool of young kids coming through. Uh, so just helping them navigate their career. And I have a few companies going as well. Like I, I, I'm involved in a management company, so we manage kids. The management company, One Hit Management, helping out young fighters in Ireland, just trying to guide them a little bit, you know what I mean? Because... You need guidance and, and, and the, the landscape has changed with social media now. You have to, like, you can't just be a fighter. You have to have a presence. Yeah. You have to have yeah. a presence. You have to know how to... You have to do podcasts. Yeah, you have to <laughs> do it all. You have to do it all. You have to be, you have to have a, it's entertainment, so you have to be a bit of a character. Mm. To an extent, you don't have to pretend to be somebody that you're not. Mm. But you have to, you have to be yourself and let people know who you are and what you're about and stuff like that. Whether it's, you're the calm, reserved person that... You know, if you're calling somebody out, you call them out with respect. Are you, are you brash and you're arrogant and ignorant and or whatever? You're just going out there and you don't give a bollocks or or whatever it may be. Okay, but you have to you have to have a presence. Uh, you have to be you know, approachable, all of that stuff. So trying to help young lads, make sure they don't get tied into nasty contracts hasn't really kind of hit in, in MMA yet. Well, it, it is. Look, some contracts are bleeding hard ones. But when you're early in your career, you kind of have to take a dodgy one at the start and then you can demand. Yeah. You know, if you're exciting and you're winning, 
you can demand whatever you want. Um, so helping, uh, you know, I'm involved not so much as in all the kind of business end, or more like a mediator. So we introduce fighters to, to my business partner, Paul, and he kind of does most of the work, to be honest. <laughs> so in the one hit management, I've an equipment company, Shadow Fight Goods, that I set up. Look, I've had all the injuries on it. My knees went back, everything, all the injuries. And now what equipment works and what doesn't work. So I, I set up years ago, I designed the headgear. And I, I never, it never, it hasn't come to fruition yet because I, I need, I need more funding for it. But uh, the first ever mixed martial arts headgear, you know what I mean? Um, that's going to be gone now. Somebody's going to rob that idea. It's pandas. <laughs> bags okay. yeah, bags yeah. Bags yeah. But uh, so we set up an equipment company with my business partner in uh, in the US, uh, Raf. Uh, it's called Shadow Fight So we do do boxing gloves, all all combat sports equipment. We designed gloves from the ground up. So loads of unique stuff like lace converter that's patented and angled grip bar and sizing, custom sizing. So boxing gloves, you you wear boxing gloves. So some boxing gloves, for me, have smallish hands. So I put on a pair of 16-ounce gloves and my hand's moving. Do you know what I mean? So we designed custom fit gloves that, you know, for a smaller guy, you wear a narrow glove and it fits better. So when it fits better, there's less movement. When there's less movement, there's less chance of breaking and stuff like that. So we have our boxing gloves out there. We've got kind of hand wraps that we designed ourselves. Everything that we do in Shadow Fight Goods is going to be an improvement on what's out there. Mm, yeah. So I've got that. And I've been involved in loads of businesses. Like we set up a company in in, uh, in America, College MMA. So a college league. So, you know, if you watch it, US college sports, it's the biggest in the world. Like, yeah. Nearly bigger than the NFL or, or mm. the NBA. So we done our first show a couple of years ago. We got funding and stuff and it was going well. We, we set up all the rules. We self-governed ourselves. So there was lots of paperwork and lots of rules to draw up and everything. And we done our first first event in uh, UCF in Florida, one of the biggest colleges, and uh, went brilliant. We had about eight or nine colleges all compete against each other, all in the gear. It's like this is going to be huge. This is going to be the biggest. This is going to going to be a bleeding. This is me retirement. This is going to be a bleeding millionaire. Mm -hmm. And then bleeding COVID hit, didn't it? <laughs> and all the co colleges closed for two and a half years. I was like crying. I was like, and that's what I'm saying. That's why I always. That's why I brought up the, the jack of all uh, trades. The jack yeah, of all yeah. trades. Because overnight. <laughs> The equipment company, we couldn't get shipment from the Philippines because everything had closed down. There was no fights or shows and the management company was done. I couldn't open me gym. I had to resort to bleeding down online training in the kitchen. It was bleeding disaster, kids running in on doing bleeding jumping jacks. I got mad, man. <laughs> I've done that for about a year and a half nearly. But uh, yeah, but same again, you have to be uh, flexible. And I swear yeah. to God, it was gas, right? So the gym, you know, the amount of outgoing of a big gym, it's, it's very expensive to run, like... And uh, when I was doing, when, through COVID, when we were in lockdown, I was doing these, I was doing two or three bleeding MMA fit classes. This is what I designed this kind of program myself, MMA fit online. So I was doing it, you get 20, 20 or 25 people doing it with you through Zoom. And I was making about eight or 900 quid a week out of this. And I was doing two or three hours in the morning. I had nothing else to do. I was living, I was living a bleeding great life. I was, I was like, this is bleeding. Deadly. I nearly didn't want to go back to the gym. The only reason I went back is because I had fighters and I was, I felt guilty. I was like, <laughs> back to stress and bleeding going grey by the day because of the bills. Electricity bill, two, electricity bill there for a month, two grand. I nearly fainted. Really fainted. I'm training in the dark. We're like ninjas now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mad. I swear to God. That's madness. But yeah, so that's that's me. You know yourself. Just craft. That's it. If you can't hit someone in the dark, how are you supposed yeah, to hit them? Yeah, you know what I mean? The training techniques. It has to be done, yeah. Training in the dark. It's fucking it's madness, isn't it? It's heavy. Uh, uh, it's You're only back from Vegas from the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah. 
Ah, uh, it's brilliant. That was that, That's going to be a good one as well. Obviously, I can't say much. Uh, no, I can tell you everything. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah now I can't really say anything yeah. about it, but you know what? But tune in. Yeah, tune as in. As an experience, so what was it yeah, like? It was brilliant. It was brilliant. Like, as I said, it never changed me what I've done in my life because I've done stuff that a handful of people get to do on the whole life. Yeah. Like the ultimate fire. Now, I was lucky enough because this is the second time I've done the ultimate fire. Mm. I've done the first one eight years ago. And that was a good buzz as well. And this one was just as mad. And it's just, it's just a crazy experience. You know what I mean? It's a bit like, it's a bit daunting at times when the camera's in your face 24-7 and you, know, you don't know really what to be saying and stuff. But after a day or two, you forget that they're there, which is kind of a problem. You're saying shit that you probably shouldn't be saying. Yeah. You know I mean? yeah. But um, yeah, it was a great experience. Yeah. And the same again, I'm all in. So these guys, you only meet them for the first time and and then you have to bond and form a relationship with them but I was just like right I'm all in boys you, you need that from me whatever you want to do whatever you need me to do I'll give you advice we'll try it if it works we keep it if it doesn't work we we throw it away and we do something different um, that's the way I kind of and as soon as I got over there we got our list of fighters and within 24 hours I knew I'd watched all their opponents multiple times and I had you know we had me, me ideas on how to beat them all and stuff like that and went to them and you know you do your best sometimes you win sometimes you lose Mm. Yeah, and, and then that's all you do. You look at the loss, you say, Can I do something better? There's usually one or two things you can change. You change it, you go back at it. That's what you do in your whole life, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It just you learn, yeah. Yeah. I went to the end the next month, doesn't it? 30th of May. Yeah, yeah. 30th of May, yeah. It's gonna be cringe because I don't know what they're gonna use as well. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? You don't yeah. know what they're gonna lose and but uh be good fun, yeah. Yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, really? Wrap yeah. it up. Yeah. Appreciate it always, boys. Wish us all the best with, your, no, with, yeah. with, uh, with the so podcast. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's flowing. I love it. Yeah. All we said as well, it's great that you don't drink or anything. Uh, and, and for people to like, not feel like they have to drink is a, is a big thing yeah. as well. And not do drugs and stuff like that. Mm. It's great to see and, and to be putting that kind of message across that. It's happening a lot now as well. Like young lads years ago, like... Yeah. You know, when you're 10, you're, you're lighting up cigarettes for your man in the kitchen. Like, you light that up and you're smoking and all before you yeah. know it. Like, and drinking at a young age. But I think a lot more kids are uh, more in tune with their health and stuff like that. Yeah. It's great. But it's great to see you as being, you know, mental health advocates and just healthy living advocates as well like that. Because uh, we need more of like that, you know. Mm. Same as myself. I, I, I like to promote that as well in the gym. So, yeah. Appreciate, appreciate that, you boys yeah. as well. Thanks boys, very yeah. much. Now, Right, wrap this yep. one up. Yep. Right, take us out there, Siobhan. Boom. Subscribe to this podcast for free on the Go Loud app. What you waiting for? What you back in it? Just a little more. Call you waiting in it now. Fill your body, your tent. Walk it hard and long. When you finish that. The Hip Knocker. Come down. Come down.